stuck the clutter today is back to back to an issue that it's talked about multiple times in the past that is the that is the kashi vishwanath temple slash gyan vyapi masjid case or dispute in varanasi the reason we are talking about today is that a very significant very important order with long lasting and wide ranging implications has been delivered by a single judge bench of the Allahabad High Court. This is the bench of the judge. In this case, is Justice Rohit Ranjan Agrawal. Now, that has opened up the issue which has been lying dormant for a very long time, particularly in this case since 1998. But in any case, since 1991, when Narasimha Rao government had passed a law, the, the Places of Worship Act, which said that with the exception of Ram Janbhumi slash Babri Masjid in Ayodhya, no other the status or the, or, or the character of any other place of worship in India would not change from how it existed on 15th of August 1947. So we are therefore looking at not one order. This is one order, but there are multiple orders by local courts in Varanasi. There are also orders by the Supreme Court. There are also multiple orders and multiple cases in Allahabad High Court. It's quite a complicated, quite a complicated mix. The only reason I'm able to gather the courage to, to lock horns with something as complex as this, as cluttered as this, is not because I am brilliant or because I have great knowledge of the law. That's because I'm also blessed to have a great team. And that great team at the print only exists it only keeps growing. It only keeps doing better and also producing better and better journalism for you. Just because, mainly because so many of you pay for this journalism. But you know what? A lot more of you need to do so. So for those of you who've already taken a paid subscription, please stop it up. Those who haven't, please pay for it. Because if you want good journalism, you can't get it for free. You are getting it for free now if you're not paying for it. But the fact is, what you're getting for free cannot last. Either it will not last, it will not sustain, or, or it will not be good journalism. So it's a choice that you have to make. Please pay for good journalism as I speak. On the screen, you can see how to do this. There will also be a link with the description. I do repeat these appeals. That's because each time I do so, many of you respond. I just need... We just need at the print a lot more of you to respond and to put your money where you think your nation's interest and the interest of your democracy and the interest of good journalism is. Because what we do at the print is unhyphenated journalism. That's very rare right now. It can only, it can only survive and not just survive, but also grow if people like you support it. That said, let me get back to, let me get back to this piece of complexity that we are dealing with today. What's happened in this case? In this case, first of all, let me try and explain to you how many cases are there vis-a-vis -vis the Kashi Vishwanath Temple and Gyan Vapi Mosque case. So first of all, the history is well known. History is well known. We had explained the history also in our episode 1004, 1004, of which I will share a link with you. Please check it out. In that, in that episode, we had explained that in 1669 AD, 1669 AD, the temple that stood here, a Shiva temple did actually stand here. It was demolished on the orders of Emperor Aurangzeb. That's a fact of history. Nobody disputes it. It's been confirmed also by Aurangzeb's own chroniclers in, in, a, in, a, in a publication or in a document called Masirai Alamgiri. That is history of Alamgir. Alamgir was the title that Aurangzeb was given. Masirai Alamgiri, 1658 to 1707. That was the reign of 
Aurangzeb. That order has been interpreted in two different ways. We had also explained in the earlier episode. So one, one interpretation, which is from the historians of the Hindu right, as they are called, as they are described, because history is always polarizing. In any country, history is polarizing. So history from the Hindu historians from the Hindu right, they are not, they are not pop historians. They are genuine historians, historians from the Hindu right. Particularly Sitaram Goyal, they have said that this was an order by Aurangzeb to destroy all Hindu temples. There is a whole bunch of historians on the side of the left. I, I will only mention one, that is Richard Eaton. Richard Eaton is now nearly 80 years old. He is a professor at University of Arizona and he is acknowledged globally as the authority on medieval India, on the, on the, on the Muslim period in India. And his book, and his book India in the Persian Age, is seen to be a classic. Not everybody agrees with it, but, but it seemed to be a classic also in terms of the facts he has. Also in an article in Frontline magazine, he had listed all the Hindu temples which had been destroyed or desecrated during the Muslim period. So he's not one of, those, one of those deniers who says nothing of the sort happened. The difference is that while the historians of the right say that Aurangzeb just asked for all Hindu temples to be destroyed, peremptorily and they quote the same order as translated from Masare Alamgiri. The school on the left says that look there is something there is something there is a qualification there which says subject to that means subject to his local governor deciding that a temple or a place of worship was a threat to Islam or to his reign. He had the authority to destroy anything. Nevertheless, no side disagrees that this temple was destroyed on the orders of Aurangzeb, Emperor Aurangzeb in 1669, partly also because he was irritated. One, there was a revolt by small local rulers and feudals, also because he thought Raja Jaising of Amir, who was a grandson of Raja Mansingh, who was one of the Navratnas with Akbar and one of and Akbar's foremost army commander. His grandson had helped Shivaji, Chhatrapati Shivaji escaped from Aurangzeb's custody, which Aurangzeb saw as a great humiliation. The Jaipur ruling family or Raja Mansingh's dynasty were the custodians of the temple in Varansi. So that interpretation is that that is why to take revenge, he had this temple destroyed. The other side, of course, says that he wanted every temple destroyed. And that's how in the same period, he also got the Krishna temple, the Keshavdev temple in Mathura also destroyed. Again, the historicity of that incident is not questioned. It's just the interpretation as to whether it was done as part of a larger Islamic Wahhabi move spreading across the subcontinent or whether these were political acts directed at those he might have seen directed at those he might have seen as rebels or those challenging his authority and in some cases again if you read Masir Alamgiri or its translations it looks like he was getting information from his governors now who knows how authentic that was and who knows how motivated that was information that in some places Brahmins were teaching from some books or some scriptures which were attracting not just Hindus but Muslims as well. So he was responding to that. All of that is open to debate. So while all of that may be open to debate and may continue to continue to be debated, there is no question that a temple stood where Gyanvapi Mosque stands today. And you can see you can see that also from the Gyanvapi Mosque. Some of the walls you can see are walls or are the walls of a temple. In fact, Aurangzeb's order, as quoted in Masari Alamgiri 
says that you can destroy the temples and you should also use materials from the temple that is debris from the temples to build <coughs> fresh mosques. All of that is not, not, not open to dispute. So what is the dispute then in this particular case? The issue is in 1991, while the Ayodhya slash Babri Masjid debate was raging, Parliament of India passed a law that is Places of Worship Act. That law said that barring Ayodhya, barring Ayodhya slash Babri Masjid, where there was a lot of litigation going on, any other place of worship in India would remain as it was at as India inherited it on 15th of August 1947. Nobody will have the right to change its character. So every place of worship, a, a temple, a mosque, a church, a gurdwara, whatever it was in 1947, 15th of August will remain the same. And even if there was continuing litigation about any of those, that litigation will also be subsumed after this law. Places of Worship Act, how do we understand this? I will use a simplistic way of doing it. So in early 1960s, I think 1961 or something, there was a film for which Sahir Ludhianvi wrote a song which was a great hit. It is still heard very often. That that was ye masjid hai wo butkhana, maksab to hai dil ko samjhana, chahe ye mano, chahe wo mano. So that was the spirit of the Places of Worship Act. That look, one place is a mosque, one place is a temple. We inherited it in 1947. You can believe in one, you can believe in the other and move on from here. In fact, the Supreme Court order on Ayodhya as well had talked about this in great detail and they said that India cannot remain imprisoned in its past. That there were injustices in the past is well known, it's acknowledged, but a time has come to acknowledge them, to accept them and then move on. The future of India can't be held hostage to what happened in the past. And Places of Worship Act, which the Supreme Court order actually placed quite firmly in the basic structure of the constitution also came with that spirit. This order, however, questions that it doesn't just question that if it sustains, it actually opens it up. Once again, that said, what's the issue now? And what is the, what is it that the court has said? And if that law prevails, how come the court has now said in its latest order, Allahabad High Court, that you can actually start surveying Gyanvapi Mosque complex to see what exactly this is. So what has the court said? So the judge in this case says, and the judge in this case, while allowing a survey of this site, the disputed site or the contested site in Varansi, the judge says that while the law, that is Places of Worship Act, while that act says that conversion of a place of worship is, is prohibited, right? That's all right. But it does not say what is the religious character of a place. It says that you cannot change the religious character of a place. But does it define the religious character of a place? So, so he says, the judge says, but who knows what is the character? What is the religious character of this site in Varanasi? He says, and I quote from him, it is pointed out that the plaintiffs in this case had not demanded conversion of any place of worship, but a declaration on the religious character of the plot in question. So this is a title suit. This title suit was filed by the Hindu side in October of 1991, shortly after the Place of Worship Act had been passed by Parliament. The Hindu group filed a civil suit in a Varansi court 
claiming ownership of this property or this piece of land very similar to what happened in Ayodhya slash Babri Masjid case also it became a title suit what happened afterwards was that while this went on in the course of time by 1998 Allahabad High Court had put a stay on that uh, suit and that civil suit had remained stayed for almost 25 years that Pandora's box has now been opened now there's a little bit of a complicated history to this that this case came up for hearing in the course of time in the court of justice Prakash Padia in Allahabad High Court. That went on for quite a long time, but an order was not delivered. While this was going on in August 2023, the Chief Justice of Allahabad High Court, that is Prithinkar Divakar, he transferred this case from Justice Padia and finally it was re it reached the court of Rohit Ranjan Agrawal, Justice Rohit Ranjan Agrawal and he said that he was carrying out this transfer, he was taking away this case from Justice Padia on grounds of judicial propriety, discipline and transparency on listing of cases. Because there is some controversy as to how the case reached Justice Padia's court. The Muslim side went to Supreme Court questioning the transfer of this case from Justice Padia's court to another court but the Supreme Court did not entertain it. So the Supreme Court said this is an administrative issue. We don't have to, we don't have to intervene in this. And that's how the case was now heard by Justice Rohit Ranjan Agarwal and things moved very fast. The case came to him on November 21 this year. Immediately he started the hearings because more than 75 hearings had already taken place in this case under Justice Padia. So Justice Agarwal now heard this case quickly multiple hearings on December 8, that is within two and a half weeks. December 8, he said his judgment was reserved. On December 19, now this judgment has been delivered. He has also said in this case that while you carry out a survey, he I also acknowledge, the judge also acknowledges that another quote-unquote scientific survey is carrying on in the same precincts based on yet another prayer by five women of Delhi, that is called the right to worship case. That is where these five women had gone to court, a local court in Varansi, saying that we are Hindus, our deities are sitting in this so-called so-called mosque complex, we should be allowed to go and pray to those deities. A local court took up that case, that case also went through many challenges in the High Court, then Supreme Court, etc. Finally, a survey is going on in that case. So the, so the judge in this case in title suits, that is the latest order, Justice Rohit Ranjan Agrawal, he says that since a survey is already going on, a scientific survey is also already going on in the right to worship case, the same survey findings can be applied in this case also to determine the real character of the shrine, whether it is a mosque or it's a temple. He also says that if the local court, the local judge thinks that the findings of the survey that's been carried out already, if those are not adequate, that judge can ask for further survey or further scientific exploration as well. What's happened as a result is that an issue which we might have thought was dormant or in deep freeze, fossilized, not just dead and buried, that case has now come alive. Not only has that case come alive, but this single judge bench's order also opens up the entire Places of Worship Act. That means 
any any place of worship the status of any place of worship cannot be challenged in ter terms of saying this is this is claimed to be this but i believe this is claimed to be a church but i believe it's a mosque this is claimed to be a church but i believe it's a mosque right and you know what's happened in this case similar case say in istanbul in hagia sophia kamal atatur came and said it's neither a mosque nor a church this is this is just a monument a place for tourists and then now erdogan has declared it to be a mosque so those disputes go on what what the places of worship act had done was to try and freeze all of these issues and all of these debates what this order has done is it has opened up it's reopened all of those debates so right now this order only pertains to one but tomorrow the same order will be applied also to mathura because that's also an ongoing case and there's a title suit there as well and who knows and who knows similar challenges will not come up elsewhere also that is the reason we said this is a very important case there are some similarities but also some really interesting distinctions between the ayodhya ram janmabhoomi slash babri masjid case and the and the gyanvyapi mosque slash kashi vishwanath case in the hindu argument over ayodhya it was said that lord ram is a juristic person that lord ram was presented or the child manifestation of lord ram was presented as a person in this case the argument is that it doesn't matter when any structure was built in this place because this is the temple of swayambhu lord vishweshwar swayambhu literally means self manifested which means yahan pe bhagwan prakat hue the this is where the lord manifested himself in this case lord shiva manifested himself that's why it was called the adi vishweshwar temple so that is the argument based on which the hindu side is demanding ownership over this piece of land and that is something which now will be determined if this order sustains because i am sure there will be multiple challenges to the order if this order sustains then the findings of what this place is what the actual character of this place is will then determine who owns this property and whoever owns the property owns the shrine and that then determines whether it's a mosque or a temple for clarity now for clarity in terms of what's the implication of this order and what is the argument what is the reasoning of the judge i can do no better than read a couple of paras from the order that was delivered this tuesday now number 1 he says and i quote either the gyanvyapi compound has a hindu religious character or a muslim religious character it can't have dual character at the same time the religious character has to be ascertained by the court considering pleadings of the parties and evidence led in support of pleading so he is not accepting the argument that this is a mosque or or the argument from the hindu side that this was always a temple number 2 he says and i quote again the dispute raised in the suit is of vital national importance it is not a suit between two individual parties it affects two major communities of the country due to interim order operating since 1998 that was the injunction that was a stay on the civil suit due to the interim order operating since 1998 the suit could not proceed in the national interest it is required that the suit must proceed expeditiously and be decided with utmost urgency with the cooperation of both the contesting parties without resorting to any dilatory tactics after this the judge also orders a trial court in varanasi to move 
to move this trial expeditiously and to, and to take a decision on this if possible or as far as possible within the next six months. So there's a deadline in the works as well. That's how as we understand this story and this term in its entirety, we understand what a significant moment this is in our national politics as well. Because some of these issues, the Varanasi issue, Mathura issue can also determine our politics. It'll, these will have a bearing on our politics going ahead.